When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester. No wheels with me today. Instead, it's a one-on-one with our longtime Eagles fan, Shamir Seidman. Shamir, how's it rolling? Excited. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Excited to talk about the Eagles or excited to talk about White Lotus? Uh, I'm more excited to talk about White Lotus, actually. All right. Yeah. So um, White Lo- we're recording on Monday, August 16th. The White Lotus season finale was last night. I know you were a big fan of the show like me. So I said to you, can we talk about White Lotus? Then maybe we will fit some eagles in there on the side. So uh, if you haven't seen White Lotus, uh, all six episodes, we're going to spoil it all. Uh, maybe uh, skip to, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes when we eventually start talking about the eagles. But um, let, let's start right at the end. Uh, what did you take of, what was your take on the, on, the, on the season finale last night? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I didn't like, I mean, if we're going real deep spoilers, I did not like Rachel coming back with Shane at the end. But yeah. Up until that point, I loved, I loved the finale. Um, Armand is a, the ultimate classic TV character now. He's one of the one of the most, one of the most memorable TV characters the last couple of years. Yeah, Hall of Famer there. Um, I mean, I think the lesson basically that Mike White wants you to know is that like all the rich white people, everything works out for them, and it doesn't work out yep. for anybody else. Yeah. No matter no matter how hard they try not to be, it always comes back. Everything comes up aces for the rich white people. Yeah. Um, uh, so here's my like sort of like uh, little uh, nit issues with the finale. And then uh, we can, you know, go broader beyond that. Um, so first of all, Armand gets yeah. stabbed. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I guess it's not funny, but Ar- Armand gets stabbed by Shane. And um, so so here's here's my question on that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's completely insane, but. There was no explanation as to why Shane was totally let off the hook. Like, yeah. Was there a trial where the cops? Literally that day, that very same day, Shane, like they see, like you see staff at the hotel and like a police officer apologizing to Shane, who then gets on a player airplane and flies home. And Armand's remains yeah. are on the same flight, like the same. Yeah, day. with not a care, not a care in the world. <laughs> yeah, not a care in the world. I, I mean, I, I don't think that Shane is gonna like go to prison ultimately you know he has a reasonable self-defense you know that he he was afraid that there was a, a someone in his room which there was right. and it's I, I think that he can get off but i think it takes a little more time than like one quick meeting like yeah a, a high five and then you're on the plane yeah it made no sense can i can i can i give you another nitpicky one that i was just thinking about all yeah. day yeah how who is gonna pay for quinn's hotel room at the white lotus if he just moves to hawaii <laughs> 
Well, I have a much bigger problem there. Quinn's parents would have noticed within three minutes that he didn't get on the plane and they would have alerted police at the terminal. He's not just getting out a canoe. (laughs) He he got from the terminal to the canoe in 10 minutes. Yeah. Like he's slightly behind them in the line to board. And then they like, what is this home alone? Like they just don't notice like, oh, where's Quinn? He never got on the plane when he told us he wanted to stay in Hawaii. Yeah, that's fine. it wasn't uh, part of the argument. It wasn't part of the argument as to where he was going to live. That was like, it was driving me crazy. I'm like, you well, can't just. I think because he's a 16 year old, super rich white kid. So he's totally out to lunch and doesn't realize like, yeah, life is cool now because you're on vacation. Everything's paid for by mommy and daddy. So, yeah. But um, yeah. Really um, enjoyable show. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the other small nit I have is, is Dylan is busy doing drugs in the office with Armand. And Armand leaves to go drop a deuce, of course, and she changed luggage. And, and Dylan is still partying. Who's that other guy that Dylan is partying with? He's just in like another bellhop that yeah, seemed so to end up at that party. There's another guy who shows up at the party and Armand's like, hey, he's like super excited to see that guy. So those two are still partying. Um, Armand goes over to the other room to drop a deuce, gets stabbed. Shane calls the police. Presumably within five minutes, the cops sort of walked in to Armand's office and caught Dylan and the other guy in the act. Uh, we know they don't lock the door when they are engaged in their activities in there. Uh, right. but, but no, no consequences for Dylan. Uh, we see him greeting the next batch of guests the next morning. Like, <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, he well he also yeah. dodged a bullet because no no one was looking for him. Like no one came to the office. Armand I got, was yeah, I guess distracting so. everybody. Yeah, and then um, the, also the, a, li- yeah. a little frustrating. There was no follow up with that with Kai. They, they just caught him. Like how? Where? Why? What happened to the jeweler? Well, like, what, how, I mean, I queen? assume there's cameras all over, like in, in like the hallways of the hotel. Like they clearly he didn't know, put his mask they, on and stuff till he left. They just made that. They 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 closed that loop very quickly. Yeah, I mean, also. Kai is a. Um, but but I think that's kind of like like part of like partly intentionally. It's kind of like you know these the, the the rich people sort of make their decisions and then like the little poor. I mean, and by the way, uh, I mean we can talk. Who's the biggest villain in the show? I mean, you know, there's there's a couple of candidates, but I think uh, you know Shane. Uh, did did you watch the inside of the episodes at the end of each one on HBO? No, no. But I, I have a suggestion for the biggest villain was Shane's mom. I think she she ruined that relationship more than anybody. Yeah, but she's, I mean, you know, Kitty is just who she is. Like, she wasn't, like, intentionally evil. I mean, I think, um, and by the way, she, Hall of Fame performance by her. She shows up in episode three or four, whatever it is, and just knocks it out of the park. Yeah, but she she was so mean to Rachel, and you could just basically But she wasn't even mean. Ra- she wasn't, like, intentionally. I mean, a little bit. She's like, oh, you were so pale. Now you look so beautiful. But other than that, she was a like, complimentary. She was just, like, very, like. No, I found, I found it very passive-aggressive and intentional. Yeah, I mean, she's like, you know, just be pretty, just be like, you know, like, what's wrong with being a, a trophy wife? Like, I think she's just like, this is who I am. And, you know, embrace it um, to me. The also biggest... her, her... Yeah. No, I was saying her presence alone basically showed Rachel that she was never going to, yeah. you know, yeah. break through. I mean, yeah, the Rachel thing is depressing, you know, but not, that's not like like a flaw. That's like the, the writer's decision. Um, yeah. And it's obviously it's depressing for us. to. But then is it it's almost like golden handcuffs. Like, you know, Rachel knows what she's doing. She's made her choice. And she's like, I'll take the millions of dollars. I have a, a non-ideal um, uh, prenup or whatever it is. So take the money for a few years, maybe then break up. Uh, well, know, hope, well that's, no what, that's, what, that's what that was the finale. She took the money. Everyone yeah, the no, money. but there is, you know, they've been re-renewed for season two. It's a different cast. Yeah, that my assumption but, was a totally new cast. I mean, obviously, because Armand, who's the best character for sure, he's gone. So. What was your what was your take on why Belinda was so bent out of shape, even though she got like a boatload of cash? 
Yeah, so she, like she yeah, should she, have. She gets a few thousand there. Um, now, did she? I mean, I assume she took it because she took it. She'd be insane if she didn't. But we sort of see her put it in the drawer. We see right, her toss right. her business thing in the garbage. I assume she took that money. I mean, she's not an idiot. I but, imagine, but like that, that 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 seems like a significant amount of money, at least twenty thirty yeah. k that she could oh, she could 30K? start wow. Yeah, I don't know how much cash she can have. I mean, where where, where is Tanya getting that much cash? In the, I mean, in, in the, does the ATM in the lobby not have a limit on it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know from the B up from her BLM boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> BLM must be Black Lives Matter for. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to, to Tanya Stifler's mom in a second. But my, to me, the biggest villain in the show is Paula, who, um, you know, P- Paula and Rachel, the daughter, they're both these little like, you know, fake woke wannabe uh, little, uh, yep. you know, uh, Ivy League school, whatever they are, uh, white girls. I mean, Paula is a little bit darker, so I guess she's supposed to like represent minorities and she certainly identifies with them and Kai and stuff. And she's like, oh, I'm not I like th- them. I, th- I think there were there was a vague assumption or there was a vague reference to her being a minority at some point in the last yeah. episode. Well, I mean, I th- yeah, I mean, uh, she certainly identifies that way. And I, I'm not here to question that. But like, ultimately, she's like, oh, Rachel, you're part of that tribe. You're no different than your mom, regardless of what you pretend your politics to be like. Like, Paula, so are you. Like you come to this fancy hotel, you have all your like little prescription drugs that you and you have your little parties and you do whatever you want and you read your, you know, your woke books and you pretend like you're some like, you know, big like uber leftist. But you're benefiting all from all the same shit. And when you talk some poor bellhop into like committing this crime that has destroyed his life, you just leave, you cry for a few minutes and then Rachel spoons you in bed and you're like, all right, yeah, whatever. Let's just go home. Um, Exactly. She had she had no consequences or actions in any way, shape or form, literally. And, and by the way, the police do an investigation like they would look at Kai's text messages and stuff like Paula, even if Rachel's not going to snitch on Paula again, like I'm questioning the, the, the quality of the police work here on the Big Island. Because why? <laughs> why on earth? Why on earth would Kai not uh, rat her out? And yeah. what, like he, he totally got set up by her, basically. And he didn't. I mean, obviously, he, it wasn't the plan, but he for sure he for sure just should have dropped a dime on her. I don't see why he wouldn't. Yeah. It makes no sense why Paula gets off scot-free. It makes no sense why Shane is just leaving that same day that he stabbed the guy. <laughs> um, yeah, there, need, there needs to be a little more loop closing, but I guess not. I guess yes. that's, what, that's a good way, good way to end the show. Now, let's talk about um, I did not see True Detective, but for those who saw True Detective, uh, Daddario um, is alleged even before she arrives on the scene here. Um, mm-hmm. We end up not seeing as much as her as uh, one might have thought from True Detective. Instead, we see Armand dropping a deuce and we see that at all its glory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ex- explicit, explicit deuce yeah. dropping. I looked away. We also, see, we also see Mark's, uh, uh, you know, uh, twig and berries. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a it's a progressive show in many other ways. Uh, it's the price no, to pay. No, fe- no female nudity. Yeah. Well, Dario has twenty million Instagram followers, and she's not much of a, a famous actress other than her True Detective work. So. Yeah, I, I had never I had never heard of her, and I think I said this in our chat. I thought that um, what's the name of uh, Samantha? What's the name of the girl who plays uh, Rachel? I don't know. You said she was from Euphoria. I never seen Euphoria. Well, I, I haven't seen you for it either. I, I happen to um, every time I've gone into this into Manhattan, into the city in the last month, my wife and I go to like the same spot in Chinatown for what my wife likes to engage in certain activities that whatever they might be. And there's like a giant billboard right there of um, of that girl. And so I sort of because of that, I sort of figured, oh, she must be famous independent of the show because I see her on this big billboard everywhere. Um, Sydney Sweeney, that's her name. Um, so yeah, she's like I'm, a, I'm not familiar. Yeah. So she's like a model, apparently um, for. I don't even I've, I've seen the billboard. I don't remember what it's for. Probably some makeup or I don't know, fashion line or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so to me, like her character and 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 Paula are just like the, the two biggest brats in the show. 
and so phony. And Shane, by the way. Oh, that's another great one. So the, the, the guy who plays Shane, um, Jake Lacey, who's been in Girls and a bunch of other stuff, in the end of the season six episode, in the inside the episode interview, he says, you know, in this show, there's nobody who's good. There's nobody who's bad. Everyone's in the middle. And I'm like, um, no, Jake, I disagree. I think Shake is like 100 percent bad. Like, does Jake have does Shane have any redeeming qualities whatsoever? No, he's, good he's so rich, obtuse. But like when he, when he was arguing with her when she was leaving him and he just didn't get it, he just completely yeah. they just went right over his head. Yeah, he's like, everything's perfect. Like, the, I mean, yeah. You have to. Be, so my mother, um, you know, I love my mom. My mother came with her brother. She has a brother she's very close with, came with her brother and his wife on their honeymoon like 55 years ago and has always told the stories if it was totally normal and has never once stopped to think about how it might have been from her new sister-in-law's perspective. Yep. Yep. Totally, <laughs> and, totally detached from reality. Yeah. And I've always kind of wondered, like, like, mom, like, like, what did you think Shlomit, my my aunt, my uncle's wife, like? Do you think she was cool? She said, no, everybody loved it. Everybody thought it was fun. We had a great time. And I'm like, you sure about that one? And like, I never really yeah. thought that was realistic. But then I guess that's what happens here where Kitty shows up. At least Kitty's kind of like semi. She's like, oh, man, I'm so terrible to show up on your honeymoon, aren't I? And Rachel's like, no, it's OK. Through gritted teeth. And Shane's like, yeah, Bob's here. Hooray. Yeah, but she's like, don't worry. I'm leaving in two days. Yeah. Like, two days. <laughs> Although if you hate your husband that much, maybe it's good to have another person to distract. <laughs> Well, I don't think she realized how much she hated him until she arrived. Yeah. Um, the, so the in the inside of the episode, at the end of episode five, all these characters, all the actors were giving these sort of interviews that were sort of very rose-colored interpretation of their character's portrayal. And I'm like, what are these people talking about? And uh, my wife actually sort of agreed with these various actors' interpretations. And it seems like in the end, my wife and, and the characters were more right than I was. So, for example, Greg is saying like, Oh, yeah, Greg is just a guy who he, he sees inside of who um, of Tanya, who she really is. And he empathizes with her. Like, I did not get that at all. I saw Greg as just a guy who's like, I'm dying anyway. And who gives a shit? Let's just, uh, you know, uh, party. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here at a party. hundred yeah. percent. That's how I saw my son is very as a very shallow character. He yeah, but, gonna, but then, but he then basically it, was like he's basically like I have like a year to live. I'm on vacation. Like, I don't care how crazy this woman is. I'm just going to I'm just going to want to have sex with her. Like that yeah. was his only intention. Yeah. Um, but then in episode six, he does seem to actually like, like, cause we see, like, he seems kind of annoyed with her when she's following around while he swims his laps and stuff. But then, yeah. um, but then he does, he does by episode six, actually warm up to her and sort of like her beyond just, you know, fooling around on vacation. And so, um, right. It was, it was, yeah. it was an, it was an unusual twist because originally, so. yeah, originally we thought that cough of his was just like a fake cough to get out of the room the first time. But- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then the second turns out he's actually dying. Well, so the so the weird thing is, okay, so this was, I mean, so the background of the show is kind of crazy. So Mike White writes like one script, sends it in HBO, like they ask him, hey, can you want to put a show together for us during COVID? And he writes it like it's this first draft. He, they, this show was put together and filmed so quickly, like thrown together in five minutes. And it doesn't seem like it at all. It seems like a show that was like really deliberative and took a long time. Just an incredible job by Mike White. But, um, uh, you know, who, and by the way, funny note here. So there's 15 characters who appeared in five plus episodes, excuse me, there's 13. And then, and then Greg and Kitty who appear in fewer, but are pretty main characters also of mm-hmm. those 13, all of them are like name characters we know of. And then, and then the 13th is this guy, Hutch. And I couldn't figure out who the hell is Hutch. He's played by Alec Merlino, who was on Mike White's tribe when Mike White was on Survivor. And so Wait, he's, who's, who, who's this guy? Which character? His name is Hutch. Hutch. He, uh, he's the other one who's parting with Dylan in that final scene. He's basically oh, okay. like another bellhop. I don't know if he has any really lines, but he's yeah. in he's in all yeah. the episodes apparently. Yeah, um, he, he's he's yeah he's kind of just been like uh, 
a bit character where he needs him to do like a runner or something or go get yeah. something. Like he, but apparently he's yeah. Mike White's buddy from like they were on the same tribe in Survivor. And Mike White's like, yeah, all right, I'll give you a job as an actor. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't even know he had a name. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, well, I saw that on IMDb. So yeah, so Mike White throws the show together so quickly, and um, and and the show was during was made was written during COVID was filmed during COVID. There's mm-hmm. you don't there's one vague reference when early on Armand says to Shane like, well, you could have the room that you want. But after the Germans leave, you know, we have to leave it empty for 24 hours before we flip it over, which is sort of like a new policy that hotels do allegedly during COVID. Other than that, no mention whatsoever, which is fine, except for when Greg keeps hacking up and coughing his head off nonstop. You think at one point, Tanya, you'd say you don't have COVID, do you? Like, I mean, I think like, right. you kind of have to mention yeah. it there. I, I, I got the sense that I was actually thinking for that also that they wanted to portray it as a non-COVID world or pre-COVID world. So I don't think they I don't think there was any reference to. The 24 hour thing. I think that was just like a, a hotel policy. I don't think it was oh. a COVID reference. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. For, so, from what I've read, yeah, the show decided that yeah, to sort of, they weren't denying that it was during COVID, but they weren't going to acknowledge it. But I think at a certain point, you have to acknowledge it a little bit because, like, that is the world we live in. But, um, and also, frankly, that's another way in which sort of rich white people are not affected the way everybody else is. Right. Um, yeah. Although, I guess if, if they want to reflect COVID. it, then the staff has to wear masks. And then, yeah, I was it's a whole exactly. Different show, was, so. exa- uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. The staff yeah. would all be wearing masks. Like Armand would be complaining about having. Yeah, nobody wants to see that on TV. So yeah, that's fine. Especially you'd, um, you'd miss Armand, Armand's mustache. Yeah, the, oh for sure. Yeah, that would be a tragedy. Um, I mean, Armand, absolutely brilliant character. I mean, obviously very sad character. How he's you know five years of recovery and then he sort of loses it all because of one asshole Shane. Who, by the way, that's another person that Shane. Yeah, I mean, even before Shane literally stabs him, Shane has effectively killed the guy and his life. Um, yeah worse than any other than i guess paula with with kai and uh with zero he him, he sends, yeah he's it was he was directly responsible for that spiral where he yeah. just was like we're, we're going out we're going down yeah um but um <laughs> yeah armand with the brilliant mustache there um i so who i mean is Armand your favorite character in the show armand's by, by far my favorite character yeah because he's because just because like I think that even after watching all six episodes, like, let me ask you a question. Do you legitimately believe he's a good host or he's, it's, he's all fake or he's a hundred percent fake? Like, I think he, he's legitimately good at his job, but he's also able to be good at his job while he's high. Like, I can't figure out. Well, he's like okay. Real so in the scene where he's like, oh, it's my final dinner. I got to run and do dinner. And then we see him greeting everybody so happy with the music. Like to me, that was very yeah. obviously like this is in, is in his imagination. This isn't actually what's happening in the second. We're going to see him actually walking around stone, which is what happens. Like in that scene, and yeah. then we do see him. He's sort of just standing there awkwardly looking like shit. Yeah. And Shane's like, what's with this guy? Um, so I you mean the point you raise, which is a point like I feel a little guilty. Like I was talking to a friend of mine last night who's actually stayed at this exact hotel, the hotel where it was filmed. It's the Four Seasons, I think, right? Yeah, it's the, it's the Four Seasons. Um, it's the Four Seasons in Maui. He says, um, if you ever go to Hawaii, I highly suggest the Four Seasons on the Grand Waialea on Maui. The beach is incredible. Perfect waves for boogie boarding. I was in heaven. But like, honestly, it, like uh, neither you nor I are, is in the same tax bracket as most of the guests in, in the episode. But it is still going to make me feel like very awkward next time in a hotel because like this, even if, you know, we're not as rich and out of touch as these people, like, from from the perspective of the staff, I think they kind of see us the yes. same way. Totally. And it kind of makes totally. me feel a little shitty. And like you can you can try and be a little more empathetic. But then if you're doing that, aren't you just like what Rachel and Paula are sort of, you know what I mean? Like you're pretending it's to like an, an, not even pretending you might personally like try and be empathetic and not be an asshole. But ultimately, like, you know, you're <laughs> like I, I actually said to this friend of mine, I said, like, 
well, when you were there, did you feel guilty? Did you feel guilty about watching the native dancers? And he said to me, you know, what's funny is that that's always made me uncomfortable. My wife was laughing about that. See, Eric, you are just like these woke girls. She said, as we were watching the other night, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there was, there, there was a lot of cultural appropriation references, you know, throughout the show with the, you know, that was, I guess it's like a, it's like a, a culture stealing angle that hasn't been really approached yet with the, in the last couple of years with all the different movements. Yeah. So let's come back. You asked before about Belinda. Like, so Belinda, from where she starts to where she ends up from the beginning of the show to the end of the show, especially when you compare it to like almost every other staff member, you know, Armand and, and everyone else like uh, Kai, she's not in like a really worse situation. If anything, it's slightly better because, as you said, she did get a, you know, a nice brick of cash there. But within the episode itself, she's on like the highest high. She thinks like she puts together this business model and she's got this woman who's yep. this benefactor and then it all gets pulled under the rug. So she has like this heartbreaking moment. But that to me was like very TV and frustrating. I hate like every time there's a TV show, for example, where like somebody has made like a loving homemade dinner for their partner or their boyfriend or girlfriend, spouse, whatever it is. And then the person doesn't come home in time. You like they get angry and they take it and they dump it in the garbage and they go to bed all angry. Mm -hmm. Like you don't do that in real life. If you made an effort, I mean, if you really hate the person, maybe you throw it at their face when they come in the door, but you don't just throw it in the garbage like yourself and go to bed. Like, and it annoyed me how like she throws her business model in the garbage. Like, you put that thing together. I, we didn't see it, but it seems pretty professional. It seems like Belinda kind of has her shit together. Maybe you. Yeah, but I, but I feel like I feel like I feel like it was a slow burn with her. Like I think I think two episodes ago when Tanya started like you know like brushing her off and like not actually hearing her out and not giving her the time, it was like a slow burn. Like at first I was like, oh maybe not today, and then she's like, okay, it's been two days in a row now. Like oh maybe, and like it, it got worse and worse and worse and worse, and then she just pulled the bandaid off at the end. So it was like a slow burn and it was like a slow build, and I think she just exploded. No, I understand so, it. It just it annoys me because it's like, all right, keep, don't throw that in the garbage. You know, don't you don't have to go to Kinko's and start all over again and print everything. Again. Like, keep it. Who knows what will happen? All right. Maybe you're not going to open your own new business tomorrow. But obviously, you're a person who's very talented, who can really connect with people. I was almost surprised that Rachel calls her because, you know, she's crying in the lobby there. Um, Rachel's talking to her. She's not really reactive. Then she gets up and walks away silently and then comes back and says, here's my card. Call me anytime. And I was kind of wondering, like, yeah. why would Rachel call you? Like, you haven't given off the vibes you gave to, like, Tanya. But then Rachel does call her, and she's listening, and then she realizes, oh, I don't give a shit about this white girl. <laughs> like, yep, yep. Yeah, which is a funny well, scene. But... So I, I actually asked my friend if you, uh, earlier tonight, I said, do you think that Rachel's reaction ultimately to go back with Shane was part of that interaction with Belinda where, where like, she like, yeah. kind of set her straight, where she's like, I have bigger problems. Yeah. I, th I think it's a little bit of that. Yeah. But I think I don't think it's solely because of that. I think she basically makes the analysis. Hey, you know, money can solve all problems in life. Look at everyone else around here. And, you know, I, I have hit the jackpot in a way. Um, I mean, this is there's no way this relationship is lasting 20 years or whatever, obviously. So I hope that, just, no, you know, two years kids. at most. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she can get a better yeah. lawyer who can work on that. Uh, <laughs> prenup. Yeah. That prenup there that Shane has. Um just such a despicable character, uh, Jake Lacey. I mean, I mean, he does a great job, but uh, he's just that look on his face. You know, face he, 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 he physically reminds me of one of the killers in Scream. I forgot the name of the actor. Scream? Yeah, the original Scream. Let me see. Scream. Uh, yeah, I got to go look up the cast of Scream. I don't remember that anymore. He looks exactly like one of the killers. Matthew Lillard. When he was in his 20s. Um, all right, yeah, I'm looking at Matthew Lillard now. Not so much. I'm looking at him when he's younger. Uh, I mean, he's got that same sort of smirk. Yeah, um, I kept seeing Shane. Yeah. Um, interesting. Um, 
Yeah. So a uh, great show. Yeah. They're coming back. Next. So do we know, is, is it a totally new, is it the same, is it like the same setting, like the same hotel, but I haven't looked up anything. I just know this new season, but a new cast totally, or what's the plan? I, I imagine it's going to take place at a, like put 10 different families at a, at a different, in like a different setting. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like 10 different characters. Oh, so it's, it's almost like it's Fargo gonna, or true detective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's how I see it. Mm. Yeah. Steve Zahn, Nicole, uh, Connie Britton co- coach's wife. Yeah. She's basically sort of like um, Cheryl Sandberg or whatever. She's like some top female CEO for some like social media company. What is Steve? Yep. What is Steve Zahn's job exactly? I'm sure he's just like the, the unemployed or home, you know, home-based parent like i'm sure he serves on boards and different things like that i don't think he has a full-time job so he's almost like kitty but the male version yeah he's working he's like uh very progressive he's like that's why he's so obsessed with connecting with his son and in different ways because he has nothing else really going on like he's just trying to be impactful to somebody yeah but i mean he seems like a pretty shitty dad (laughs) like he doesn't seem like he's ever been in touch until this vacation yeah so um And, and also part of it part of it was because the news he got about his father yeah, true. <laughs> I also love how they like Connie Britton is like sort of portraying this sort of like, you know, uh, classic um, white woman sort of, you know, like neoliberal, like Hillary fan or whatever. But then she's like, no, it's OK to be homophobic in the family or no, it's OK to like. Want yeah. To yeah. So, yeah, the show exactly takes there um, about like sort of her hypocrisy. I'm trying to find I found out. Her, I found I found her to be a little too obtuse and dumb to be like a high powered CEO. Like she wasn't totally with it. Yeah. Um, a little yeah she's um yeah and also i feel like yeah we, we don't we don't really get it we sort of get small moments of her from from all right so i'm looking at by the way Brittany o'grady who plays um paula so i think her yeah her mother's african-american her grandfather oh no her great 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 her great grandfather was jazz age band leader billy arnold who uh, I'm not familiar with, but um, was some famous jazz guy from like the 1920s or whatever. Um, and her father is white and is Irish, hence her name is O'Grady. So, yeah, so I guess she's biracial. And yeah, on the show, she's portraying. Uh, I mean, she clearly identifies with, with the uh, with the with the native Hawaiians and she's some person of color, but she doesn't exactly say what she is. Yeah. But but again, but she's she she seems to get a lot of advantage out of the white half. And um, and then she, uh, you know, sort of pretends to identify with people or maybe she really does but at the end of the day there's no consequences for her so yeah i find her really disreputable poor kai as you said we don't even see him ever again his life totally ruined but he's also like i mean he's really really dumb like he seems like he's like she basically talks him into this he's like no i don't do this i don't steal i don't steal. She's like, no no no, you have to these people stole from you he's like okay fine and um he then also like once he was already in the room and and he sees nicole walk in the yeah, strategy how did he become of, violence yeah tackle her throw to the ground and, and walk out again he knows i mean he has to know i don't know how how dummy is like there's cameras all over the hotel like until you now you have the mask on but walking into the room all the cameras would have caught you there you as soon as you throw her to the ground like you're gonna be caught like the the only movie up at this point is put the stuff back in the safe quietly and then you know pretend like you're pretend like you're there repairing something. yeah you're the bellhop like you were you were called in to fix the toilet or whatever it is yeah and yeah then, exactly whatever you might get in trouble for going in a guest's room but you're not gonna go to jail for the next 20 years for, like you are for yep. i mean i don't even i mean he he attacks or throws her to the ground in addition to stealing yeah, it was yeah. assault yeah yep. his his life is over um yep. i also the very 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 small knit and maybe this is just a fancier hotel that i've stayed in i don't know but like in my experience, the safes in those hotel rooms, it's pretty dark in there. This one has like a little pop light, like a fridge. You open it, it's like well lit. Yeah. And every, you it can was, easily see all the it was like ele- It was like elevated. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was right in the have, you, have yeah. you seen a safe like that before? No, they're always they're always like 
you have to get on your knees to take the things out of the safe. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. It's really dark. Um, I once, I don't know if I've said this ever on this podcast before, I once, I was staying in, in the W in Times Square in Manhattan and um, my the safe like wouldn't open. And so they had to drill it open. And I told them, I'm like, just, you know, my laptop is on the other side of that door. So don't drill the hole through my laptop. Like, yeah, no worries. And then of course they drilled a hole right through my laptop. Oh, wow. So, That's funny. Got a, a nice little hole in the middle of my laptop. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Take it, get it fixed, get it replaced. Whatever the cost is, we'll fix it. And I did. And then I came back a week later with the receipt and they're like, uh, who are you? And what is this about? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So. Oh, wow. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't don't put your laptop in the safe, kids. Also, by the way, I don't really like nobody's breaking into your room to steal your crappy used $200 laptop. But yeah, that should be a lesson for whatever 25 year old me. Um, all right. I think we've covered White Lotus pretty well. I think it's time to jump into the Eagles and I'll start. My big question for you is um, I was a fan of Doug Peterson. I thought he was a pretty smart, you know, progressive coach going for it aggressively on fourth down, winning you a fucking Super Bowl. I was very shocked that they just let him go. And I know things did not turn out last year and him and Wentz, like the bridges were really burned, but I thought, okay, well, Wentz is leaving. Peterson doesn't have to go too. So what was your take on, on the departure of Peterson? Were you happy to see him go? Were you sad to see him go? And then what's your take on Nick Sirianni? Um, I was definitely sad to see him go. I thought he was a good coach and I thought he was, he should have definitely been given another shot or at least a season or two to fix to right the ship. Um, but there were a lot of rumors being leaked and there were a lot of stories that were coming out on both sides saying that, you know, the, the, the general manager wanted to hire this person to be the, the running game coordinator or the offensive coordinator and the ownership on this the ownership on that. And it was, it just became like, a, it, like everything we'd been making fun of the Dallas Cowboys for, for the last 30 years of, you know, the total dysfunction from the top to the bottom. Uh, it was really manifesting itself with the situation. And it was just like, it just felt untenable and, and just the, the whole, the whole vibe just changed so quickly that like the, the divorce was not a shock to anybody when it came out. Um, it, it became, it was very toxic. It was very weird. Um, and I feel like the Eagles like kind of aura of professionalism and, you know, long-term ownership and this and that really got, took a hit this season. Um, the new guy, Sirianni, I mean, he has a pedigree. He comes from, you know, good offensive minds. He was, you know, in San Diego and he was in, in, in Indianapolis and he's very enthusiastic and he's probably very sharp and they're trying, everyone's looking for the next Nick McVay. And he, he speaks like, you know, I'm sorry, Sean McVay. And he speaks very quickly and he's very sharp and he knows all the plays. So, you know, on paper, everything looks good. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do, but you know, a lot of these younger coaches have done well. Um, you can look at the coach, you know, green Bay um, and, you know, some of the other young coaches that, have emerged and hopefully he can fall down that path. But I was definitely sad to see Peterson go and I don't really have much of an opinion on Sirianni, but let's see, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, giving him a chance. I gave Chip Kelly a chance. I gave everybody a chance. And yeah, you're usually uh, pretty high the on second, all these guys when they come in. This, so. this, the, the second the Eagles go on a two game winning streak, I'm going to, you know, he's the next Bill Belichick. Yeah. It, it, so, yeah. So Frank Reich was your offensive coordinator, um, wins the Super Bowl, goes to Indy, and then he hires as his offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, and then you guys come and hire yeah. him back. And so there's sort of this uh, interesting back and forth. So I guess Sirianni is from the Doug Peterson coaching tree, that kind of means, which is a, it's sort of interesting. He replaces, uh, it's not his direct protege because he didn't ever work directly under Peterson, right? Correct. They, yeah. they were never together. He, um, what's it called? Uh, Sirianni worked with Frank Reich in San Diego and he worked with Frank Reich in Indianapolis. So mm -hmm. he has exposure to both of those organizations. Uh, I see. Um, I mean, you know, obviously there's the optimistic side of you, but do you sort of uh, intellectually remove your, your heart from it? Do you expect Nick Sirianni to be the coach and Jalen Hurts to be the quarterback the next time the Eagles are in the playoffs? Hmm. That's a good question. 
Uh, I would say no. I would say I would say no. I would say that Jalen Hurts is not going to be the quarterback next time they make the playoffs. Okay. So if I put the over under at 20 career starts going forward for Jalen Hurts, would you take the over or the under? Season and a half. I would say over. Mm. But but in I, Philly I or somewhere that, else. No, I think I think they're gonna let him start this year and either they're either gonna draft somebody or trade for somebody, but unless it's unless it's somebody who you know significantly better than him via trade, he's probably gonna get the you know, the starts next year. I don't think they're going to get a high quarterback, you know, one, two or three pick. So if they end up drafting quarterback, maybe next year, 15, 16, 18, 19, I think Jalen Hurts starts. Oh, wow. So you think also. this is like a middle of the pack team? Yeah, I think uh, this okay. is a nine, eight, eight, nine, one team. All right. So the, the, the over under six and a half, which is, uh, there's only three teams oh. worse. No, I, I mean, I think this is an eight win team. I think Jalen Hurts is the kind of guy who can bully you to some wins. He's not going to be consistent enough, but I think, He's gonna, you know, he's gonna keep them right around five hundred this year. They have, they have a very, they have, they have, they have very talented aspects of the team. They're very talented D line, very talented O line, good corners. But you know, the wide receivers are, are very inexperienced. And Jalen Hurts is very inexperienced, and I think they have an inexperienced coaching staff. So you're gonna have, you're gonna have bumps and bruises, but they're a very, very talented team. So I definitely see them stumbling their way into. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It's not fair to Shamir to bomb the Eagles after just two minutes because we were talking about... Uh, White Lotus for 28 minutes. So I'll give Shamir a chance to talk with the Eagles for a few more minutes post-bomb. So I definitely see them stumbling their way into seven, eight, nine wins. Yeah, I do need to point out, uh, when he was your uh, coach for the last five games last year, they went one and four, which is a little bit under 500. So, uh, you know, put up some decent Jalen Hurts. Yeah, but that was that was a sinking ship in a a million different ways yeah yeah it's a totally different vibe this year yeah he he, you know he puts up some fantasy stats especially because you know he's he's gonna run the ball even in even in in um in the final game of the year when they lost to washington he went seven of 20 for 72 yards and an interception passing the ball just absolutely abysmal but he did run for two touchdowns so yeah he's he'll certainly have more uh fantasy value than real life value um, I have the, the Eagles ranked 30th in my power rankings uh, ahead of only the Lions and the Texans. So I think this is an awful team. The division still sucks. And so, you know, like last year we saw like under 500 can win this division. And because the division sucks, like, you know, I don't think it's impossible that they can top that over under of six and a half because you get two against the Giants, two against Washington, two against the Cowboys. None of those are like automatic losses the way that, you know, in almost any other division, you have at least one elite team. So you have that going for you which is nice, but um, I, I, I don't see the, the level of optimism of, I mean, if you think they have, they're going to win eight, nine games, do you think that means that they're going to be in the race of the division or do you think there actually is a good team in this division? 
No, I think there's an 11 or 12 team, you know. Oh, wow. Winner in this division. Who, who, yeah. who, who's that? Who's winning 11 or 12 it, it, games? It, 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 could be, it could be the Cowboys and the Redskins. I mean, first of all, it's a 17 game year. It's a 17 game season. Yeah. So I, I, I do think. I got news to you. Last year, for a team in this division to win 11 or 12, it would have had to been a 30 game season. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're looking at two. What did Washington have? Nine wins last year? I thought they were seven and nine, didn't they? No, they didn't have a winning record. I thought they went seven to nine, but uh, we haven't done our Washington uh, episode yet. So, well, they won. They won the division. Yeah, and they got better. And the Cowboys would have been in a set. It would have been a nine or ten. Did they get team. better? I, I mean, forty-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback. Yeah, but they're so skilled. They have Curtis Samuel, and it was added to this team. And they have such yeah, a they went, they went seven and nine last year. Yeah, my memory's not failing me. And I, I like the coach. His his quotes. I don't COVID. And <laughs> called I don't think. Assholes. I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch to, to add three wins to it to write Washington's resume. And I don't think it's a stretch that the Cowboys can win 10 games either. I don't think the Giants can. So there's definitely there's definitely one 10 or 10, 10 or 11 game winner in this division. Well, so if, if somebody's easy. winning double digits and the Eagles are winning eight or nine, like so are there any lo- yeah. like who's who's banking all the losses in this division? Just the Giants? No, the Giants are probably set probably an eight win team also. So everyone there's, in this division is like 500. So you, you, so you don't, so like the general yeah. narrative is this is the worst division of football. You disagree pretty strongly. I am very much of the opinion that there's not a huge gap between the top of the division and the bottom of the division. Oh, no, I agree with you. No. But I, I, but and I just that the top and the bottom are both pretty low. So in my opinion. No, but two, I'm saying they're, 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 two, they're two games apart. Yeah. Eight to 10 wins. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think everyone's like six to eight wins, something like that. Um, I mean, the, the Cow- Cowboys over under is nine. So, um, you know, they're about a 500 team, I guess. But but also, I think that part has to do with the same thing that I'm saying, which is you got to, you know, you don't have any tough games in the division, really. Uh, you, you, want- you have but you, you have no track record on Jalen Hurts and you have a track record on Nick Sirianni. So it's hard to handicap the Eagles. That's, yeah. You know. Yeah. But I mean, Hurts, again, like from a fantasy perspective, he was fine last year. As a quarterback, he was not good. He was not accurate. And, you know, as you said, there's, you know, it was a sinking ship and uh, the ship be sinking. Everything was falling apart. Um, he was playing over the objections. of I don't even know what the plan was, but I, I was really shocked that they fired Peterson and they let Wentz go, but they didn't bring in another quarterback. Like, because, you know, even you don't seem to think that he is the long-term quarterback of the future. So I think they'll have a top five pick next year, but you don't even think they'll be that high. So, no, I think they're going to be, I'm I think not they're, sure they're, they're, they're going to, yeah. I don't think they're going to be picking high. They're going to be picking high enough to get a, a slam dunk guaranteed better quarterback than Hurts next year. Unless the long run isn't, isn't that available. worse? Wouldn't Wouldn't you rather, if you know that Hurts is not the long term answer, wouldn't you rather bottom out? I mean, it's hard to say that in a given going into the season. Of course, you're optimistic anything can happen, but like, you know, uh, in think, hindsight, would you rather be like seven and ten the next four years in a row, or would you rather be three and fourteen this year and then draft somebody at the top of the draft next year? I I mean the the way that the ownership behaves in the way the team has been constructed. I don't think they're, they're looking to win three games this year. Yeah. Mean, they're literally, they loaded up and, you know, as, as much best as they could for the best possible team. This is a, so, this is a, this is not, this is not a three, one team. It's just so really this, this is, this is not the Sixers. This is not a trust the process. No, absolutely not. This is mm. a, this is probably pre-process Sixers shooting for that seven seed. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking, I mean, these receivers, seem to be just as bad as they ever were in the last you know few years unless Jalen Rager suddenly turns it around. Uh you have Joe Flacco backing up Jalen Hurts. That's not ideal. The offensive line, it's not nearly what it was when you're winning the Super did you, Bowl. Did you just did you just skip over the best college wide receiver of all time, Devontae Smith? Yeah, well I mean he's injured right now, right? Is he even going to start the season? No, he he practiced today. 
Oh, he did. Oh, okay. So he's fine. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. good news. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't know, like we, you know, you obviously know more than anybody else, like tons of rookie receivers can be stars and then tons of first round rookie receivers can be busts. You saw that last year. So yeah, obviously you, you're hoping that Devontae Smith will not be with Jalen Rager was last year. And I mean, no I, think, I, think, will, I think, I think, I think at a minimum, he's going to be a, a, a contributing player on like Rager was last year. And Rager was a total negative last year. He was either injured or ineffective on the field. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Smith's floor is anywhere near there. I think, you know, he'll, he'll probably be a rookie that has some struggles. He's definitely going to be a threat. He's already an elite route runner and he's a very some highly productive player. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, I'm not, and there's not necessarily a correlation here just because they went to the same school, but last year, uh, the first two receivers taken were Alabama guys, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And, and Ruggs had a very, very bad season, um, you know, almost as bad or maybe even arguably worse. In fact, I'm looking at he had fewer catches than uh, even Rager did. Uh, Judy was not, you know, was not terrible, but was not obviously as good as, you know, Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk and CeeDee Lamb and a bunch of receivers that went later. Uh, so this year, again, again, not necessarily a connection, but all these receivers taken early, the two Alabama guys, uh, you know, um, uh, I'm wondering right. Don't, if... but, but the, the, the difference between Smith and those two guys is that those two guys were either two or th- number the number two or number three wide receiver on the team. Smith's going to be the one from day one. So mm. it should be yeah. interesting. I mean, I thought, you know, and I'm not a college football expert, but I, you know, I thought Smith looked better than Waddle did in Alabama. And, uh, but then, you know, Waddle went higher than him, obviously. I mean, I mean, I, cause, cause Waddle has more straight line speed and a little more size. Yeah. I mean, the production speaks for itself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you said how this is still a good offensive line. It's not the offensive line that was, you know, going to the Super Bowl. I mean, Jason Kelsey is still there in the middle, but, you know, everyone else around him is, uh, you know, Brandon Brooks was like the worst guy, I think, on that Super Bowl offensive line, right? And he's now. No, no. Brandon Brooks is one of the best offensive linemen in the league. So is Lane Johnson. If they were so good, they'd be on the left side, not the right side. I mean, they're they're fine, but they're not, you know, like the left, like I honestly, mm-hmm. their left tackle, Jordan Mailata, I've never heard of him, to be completely honest. So, so, okay, so I'll tell you. So, Andre Dillard was, was a 2019. And, and Isaac Samalo, you have a couple. Um, I, I'm not very familiar with either guy on the left side of the line. So, tell me who both of them are. Okay. First of all, Isaac Samalo was on the Super Bowl roster also. He was a starter on the Super Bowl for the Super Bowl oh, team. Was? That's number one. Okay. Yeah. So he's a, he's a high, 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 I did not do the research I normally do for the Eagles because I was doing my research for high, this, so. He's a highly productive, above, above average starter. Okay. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Mailata was a seventh round pick two years ago from Australian rugby league football. He is a gigantic beast of a human being. And he's one of the most athletic, fast moving tackles, like on paper, like, like combine numbers. So they drafted him, they matured him for a year. Then last year he was pressing some backup duty. His first career starts, his first professional football starts ever in his career. And he did very well. And then he came into the, this year in the competition with Andre Gillard, who was our 2019 first round pick. And my lot had destroyed the competition and he's going to be, he's going to be this, the left tackle and he's going to, he looks very good. And he's, he may end up being like one of those, like Andre Ville and a wave of type steals out of total left field, converting a, a Australian rugby, rugby league football player into a top left tackle. You, sh- you should look into him. He's, it's a very interesting story. And I think he's going to be very good. Now, do you know where uh, Sabala was born? Somewhere in the Pacific islands yeah. of some kind. Honolulu, Hawaii. So I okay. bet uh, I bet he's not too happy with the way Kai was treated. No, maybe, or maybe he would have done the same thing if given the same situation. Yeah, fortunately, he was a a beast at uh, you know knocking guys over, and so he became a, a well paid football player and didn't have to rely on uh, uh, taking jewels from uh, out of touch white people. But um, <laughs> yeah, although maybe, I don't know, maybe Jason Kelsey should watch a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> Sorry, am I going to get canceled for that one? Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> 
You said it not me. So okay, let's let you know what let's let, let's let's continue to move down position groupings here to just to find why you find this to be such a shallow roster. Um, I don't I mean look, look I think I think that Washington is another team and the Giants to a lesser extent also last year who had a very good defense, but because of massive question marks um, at quarterback and the skill position guys, you know, they just sort of had a ceiling and in a terrible division, winning seven games is not very impressive. I mean, somebody has to win the division. And so like, could the Eagles do what Washington did last year? Sure. But in the long run, even if you, okay, you make the playoffs and you lose in the first round, you know, 47 to 10 or whatever, Washington lost to Tampa last year. Like, as a fan, obviously, that makes you happy to win the division, to make the playoffs. But ultimately, what is that serving you? And I just think that you, you need to know going forward who your quarterback is and is Nick Sirianni going to be the long term answer? And I just, uh, you know, I, I don't notwithstanding whatever residual talent they still have, uh, you know, on the front seven defensively, which is still pretty good. Uh, the secondary, you know, a little bit of a mess. Uh, you brought in some new names there to, to try and, uh, you know, tape some of that up. But we'll see. Yeah, you, you're going to have to hear I mean, a year too late, I think. Um, not the Nick, I mean, Nick, Nick, just, just going back to Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni has the exact same pedigree and track record as, as any of these other young coordinators who are hired over the last couple of years. So, no, I'm not saying he'll be bad. Not, I have no idea what yeah, he'll be bad. Yeah. Good. yeah. Um, correct. You no, know, but I do, I do agree with you that this is not a Super Bowl constructed team. Obviously, this is a best case scenario wild card team. But like, like the ceiling is getting blown out in the wild card game on the road. So, well, yeah, I know I, I think the ceiling is winning the division with like the way Washington did last year and you got a home game at least you might get blown Maybe. out, but it's at home. Definitely. Definitely not. Definitely not. going to be favorite of that game. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, all right. But it seems like you're you're a lock on that over six and of uh, six and a half. You're not necessarily Definitely. putting money on uh, what is it, 70 to one Super Bowl odds. Yeah, we haven't is... even talked about that. We haven't even talked about the D line yet. I mean, this is this is a this is a middle. This is a middle tier team middle. I mean, obviously, that's not what every team or every fan goes uh, resorting for going into the season. But um, I think that they're certainly going to surpass your expectations. Put it that yeah. Way. And I will say this is one of the teams that Kiva and I had the biggest disagreements. Akiva has them ranked 23, which is I have them ranked at 30. So Akiva has them seven slots higher. Uh, 23 might still be too low for you, but uh, and, and definitely, uh, definitely higher than I am and higher than Vegas is. So um, I guess we'll see. Uh, there's nobody who I'm too afraid of in that division this year. So I think uh, the Eagles have a chance if Jalen Hurts can. Uh, keep them in games and uh we'll see so shamir good luck this year with your eagles and uh hopefully uh you'll trade ben simmons to the timberwolves like if i can entice you into some malik beasley and d'angelo russell but we're that, we're, yeah. we're holding out for damian lillard we're holding yeah out for damian i don't lillard. think that's happening uh i don't think ben simmons will be in, a, in minnesota next year except for uh, one road game but shamir thanks very much for joining us and uh good Thank luck you uh, for having your eagles this year bye-bye i'll see ya. it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.